Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontifarac. Today in the house, Raul Maholtra. Hello, Raul. Let's get to a bio and then uh, we'll, we'll get in some questions. And I'm particularly looking forward to speaking with you about purpose. So Raul, in his nearly 27-year career with Procter & Gamble and Shell, he's led several multi-billion dollar businesses as PL head and helps lead several global brands. Raul is currently the global head of brand strategy and stewardship for the Shell Group, managing strategy and operations for a brand that's valued at well over $50 billion USD. Under his leadership and tenure, Shell's brand value has grown by over 67% in just the last six years. Amazing. He's recognized expert on defining and embedding purpose into organizations, where we're going to spend a lot of time on today with Raul. Raul is a permanent resident of Singapore and active in the community. He's offering expertise to various organizations. One of his passions and expertise areas is to inspire organizations and young leaders in the private sector to be more, yeah, purpose-driven, leveraging their skills and resources to make a real difference to the people and the ecology of this one planet that we have. Raul, great to see you. Great for being here. Thanks for joining me on Leadership Now. I want to start with a, a pretty easy one, I hope, and that is, how do you define purpose? Thanks for having me, Dan, and uh, good evening to where you are and good morning to where I am. Uh, so everything I'll state today is my personal capacity because I'm a passionate believer that organizations and people, they get activated when they have a sense of purpose. So really, the, to your question, the purpose statement or the purpose is the why. Why do you do what you do? What's your place? What's your contribution to this socioeconomic ecosystem of the planet we are on? It's the reason why anyone should root for your success. So in my view, it's about what value you add to others and not just to yourself. So any group of humans organized, you call it an organization, right? An NGO, a corporation, a government department, a football team. And examples could be, <clears throat> you can have a fire department, very clear purpose statement. I'm going to keep local families and businesses safe physically and emotionally, right? Make them feel reassured. Retail store can have a clear purpose. I'm going to provide convenient affordable, accessible products and create meaningful jobs to the community. Now, the organizational purpose may have business goals under it, like maximize shareholder value, number one market share, but that does not replace the purpose. Mm. So that's for organizations. For individuals, <clears throat> it's the catalyst that that never helped, that never lets you slow down. It's a motivator. It's an impetus for your personal growth and contribution. Again, it's different from personal goals you may have. I want to visit Africa one day and so on. So my personal purpose and why I like to speak to young talent that you mentioned is how can we unleash the power of the private sector, the talent and the resources, the financial resources and the reach to make a difference to the planet and people on earth? That's lovely. Now, one of the things I wanted to get into you with is, of course, I'm a I'm a passionate scry when it comes to purpose. And having written a book called The Purpose Effect, I argued in my research, there's three types of purpose, personal, role, and organizational. And I know you've done a lot of work in this area as well. So I'm curious, when it comes to organizational purpose, 
and kind of the two types of personal, like your yourself, like the individuality, and then there's got to be some sort of purpose in your role at work. Can you reconcile sort of the individual purpose, if you will, like personal role with the organization's purpose? And, and if so, what sh- should they be reconciled in a way uh, that our listeners and viewers uh, might learn from you? Absolutely. I think they have to be reconciled. And that's when the magic happens. One plus one becomes three, right? We see this in all sorts of organizations. Armies, you know, the best run units are the ones where the the personal purpose and the organizational purpose is reconciled. NGOs, well-run corporations, even small town mayorships, I would argue, when, you know, everyone's rooting together uh, and they believe that what they stand for and what they believe in is where the organization is going. So that X factor, that discretionary effort, you know, that that is the magic that, that is unleashed, right? That intrinsic boost comes. It's like a nitro boost in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you have, have you kind of, whether it's young leaders or mid-management or even senior leaders, like, do you have tactics that help the individual with how they kind of embed that or reconcile the organization's purpose with sort of their own? Like to give us some strategy, help people out with. Yeah. So my team has been working on embedding the Shell purpose into over 75, now nearly 80 businesses within Shell worldwide over six, seven years. So we we start with refreshing the business strategy, rooting it in stakeholder needs unique to that business on on one side and then the shell purpose on the other side. This intersection of the two then creates the shared value for each group of stakeholders, employees, customers, distributors, communities. And then we found that unless you activate the next level leaders to your question, right? We can't unleash the magic of what has been developed at the strategy level. So, so that, that connection of grassroots employees, mid-level leaders, and strategy is what matters. And we have some techniques. We worked with um, actually a theater group in the UK, and we said, how do I get these engineers in my company to get emotional about why they come to work? How do I get them to become passionate about things and not just look at it very clinically and you know, one in a left-brain way, so to speak? And we found techniques. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I found with every workshop that I led with leaders when everyone was sort of getting emotional and we always had one person breaking down, <laughs> it was about it was about a, a journey. If you, if you think of the Russian dolls, you know, you, you take them through what they like and then their passions, and then you slowly start digging into helping them discover their purpose. And then when that personal purpose is discovered, or some elements of it uh, using you know, buddies and other systems and other processes that we've created, uh, we were able to then f- help them link it to where the company is going and say, so how does where Shell is going link to where you want to go? And that activation is where you get that nitro boost. Does the does the nitro boost then allow for a sort of a more engaged team member, someone who feel more fulfilled? And then I guess the reverse of that, right, is if if it's if it's not being felt, if that that individual employee, the team member is is not feeling sort of the alignment between the org's purpose, whether it's shell or otherwise, and their own individuality, what, what do you do? So it's kind of a two part question there. 
Well, there will always be, in my experience, the 5% who are complete non-believers. So they're okay. disengaged and they need to leave the company, uh, whichever organization they're in. And they'll always be that 5%. There will be another 10% who are just so left brain, they just cannot get emotional. They just cannot discover their personal purpose. <laughs> and for them, it's about, I come to work, I get my salary and I go back. It's just very, right? very so, analytical and transactional, very, right? Yeah. Very analytical. And we sort of say, yeah, we try, but you know, uh, I'm sorry, we've given you half a day and you still haven't done anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> um the rest of them, actually, the, the data is very solid. We, we were able to measure it quantitatively over many years or in, in many, many, many countries in our company. And we were able to track how places where we were able to activate these people and bring the purpose to life in the business strategy. Mm. The, the scores on employee engagement or the scores on I believe I'm working in a purpose-driven company or I believe that you know the organization is well-led and purpose-driven or whatever, whatever the metrics, elements that you could even measure culture on, right? All of those elements were clearly differentiated between businesses where I had done this versus businesses which, which had not gone through the journey yet. So absolutely, it absolutely works. And I guess it segues really right to as you've been, you know, in this journey, both inside the organization at Shell and then, you know, outside of it with your community work, um, there's obviously got to be some gotchas, you know, the what you should be looking out for, the things that you shouldn't be doing when it comes to purpose. Uh, so can you just sort of highlight some of those gotchas you've learned over the last, uh, you know, almost decade of your purpose work? Yeah, I mean, my my personal bugbear is when people do PR or spin, right? So <laughs> a phrase I keep using is is storytelling versus story doing. And I and in fact, even for Shell, uh, the CEO at the time and the leadership team agreed that for five years we didn't tell anybody externally that we had a purpose statement. Oh and I wow! Kind of said let's just let's just do stuff from 2015 to 2020, we never told anybody. We just kept doing stuff around it. We kept embedding the purpose into strategy and we kept having stuff come out from Shell as opposed to trying to get into allegations of greenwashing and inauthentic sort of statements. So really when people fake it and when people use phrases loosely like purpose-driven without any depth or actions associated with it, we should be looking out and calling out anyone throwing phrases like this without any meat behind the messaging. You know, so we it's time for purpose to grow up. We need to go beyond the initial hype to now being recognized as something that's not going away, something that's not flash in the pan, it's not flavor of the month, it's here to stay. And we need to professionally articulate it, professionally embed it and manage it ongoing. So as one of those gotchas then through the learnings, which is fascinating insight into Shell, by the way. So thank you for that uh, humility. Is one of the gotchas then making sure when you say embed it, is this, is this both a cultural and a business sort of strategy that we're talking about here where where we're talking about it becoming as part of the employee experience so that team members can feel it and enact it in their daily, weekly, monthly, you know, habits and so forth, but that the organization itself 
has to almost find ways in which to set, I don't know if you want to use the word targets, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but ways mm. in which to embed said purpose into the strategic direction and the execution of what it is that we're yeah. doing as an organization. Fill in the blanks there for me. Yeah, absolutely. We had to do all of the above. We had to start with leader buy-in. Then we had to stitch it into the business strategy. And we say, we kind of said, what are business models you can get into where you can profit from purpose, where you can get into businesses which are cleaner energy. And that's where we sort of launched multiple roles, general manager roles around, can we can we sort of do carbon consulting with our customers to help them reduce the carbon footprint? You know, is that a revenue model? Can we have a general manager sustainability who can find recycle plastic, which is honestly could even be cheaper in some cases, at mm. least in those days when we started way back when, um, and, and so on and so forth. So we tried to find those value chains and I have amazing human stories of hiring the disabled or hiring women uh, from low income groups who've been recently widowed in countries like India or um, trying to get into uh, helping mechanics who were traditionally motivated uh, financially uh, to sell more of our lubricants, but getting them into health checkups and insurance because they were from the unorganized sector in emerging markets. All of these things grew the bottom line for us, hmm. right? So we have now a hundred examples of case studies and stories, B2B, B2C, and so on where you can find that intersection between purpose and profit. So once having done the business strategy linking, we even linked it to dashboards. Today, 16,000 of the top shell leaders, their annual bonus depends on decarbonization, right? Among mm -hmm. other things, but decarbonization, I'm really happy has now been added in to the, the scorecard, right? It was not the case a couple of years ago. So that's that's how you embed it. It becomes part of your investment documents you talk about it you know should i make this investment based on criteria other than the vir so we had to really do that and then obviously as i said the mid-level leaders activating them getting them to buy into and throw darts at or feeling bought into what the senior leaders had come out with in each of these 80 businesses and then the grassroots employee activation just unleashing them you know I mean, in Canada, our, our employees came out with this concept called fueling kindness, where they were just doing flash mobs in the community. You know, suddenly these group of, you know, shell uniformed employees, youngsters in the 20s would show up and do stuff, you know, in the community. Um, and that was just magic. And we did this worldwide in quite a few countries, 12 countries. So you have to do it methodically. You have to, you have to inspire. You have to believe that people are, you know, once you inspire and unleash their potential, they will do stuff. These are very, this was all resource light, right? My whole program was just me and another guy. And we had day jobs on top of this, right? <laughs> um, so, so all of this can be done when you believe that you have the right leadership, governance, tracking, reporting, and unleashing. So a lot of work on sort of inspiration, so to speak, as opposed to forcing people to do stuff. So if they were not ready, they were not ready. You know, if they were having a change in the organization, I said, we'll come back to you next year. Oh, interesting. So if I can come back to just one of the other gotchas then is one of the learning moments, which is potentially also a gotcha, of course, right? Is not force forcing yeah. purpose down the throats of leaders and senior leaders, but allowing the evolution to take its due course. 
Absolutely. We had organizations who wanted it done in three months. And we had organizations who said, speak to us in three years because we are changing our, you know, you know, our model or we are changing our leadership team. And, and we don't want um, the new leaders to not buy into the new strategy, which is purpose-driven and so on. So, hmm. yeah, so absolutely. And even for the mid-level leaders, there was a lot of peer pressure because they saw the 80% moving along and getting emotional. So that obviously helps. But for those 10 or 15% that I talked about, they'll always be there. And, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. they'll have teams they're leading and some of those teams would be important. And, and sometimes I would have had to go to their super boss and say, you may want to just give them a nudge because this is an important large part of the business and this single individual is just not a believer in anything. So can we sort of make a change? <laughs> so... It's amazing insight. Thank you for that. Uh, truly, uh, Raul. You also are on record as saying, purpose is dead, long live purpose. So A, what do you mean by that? And then sort of as a follow-up, uh, is has the pandemic taught us anything with that line and, and your feelings on how purpose can be inculcated across an organizational culture? If anything, you know, purpose we thought was a flash in the pan has become more deeply uh, embedded into our lives. The pandemic, uh, you know, we saw death. We saw people we know uh, die. We saw mm -hmm. sickness. We lost loved ones. I lost my dad. We faced multiple physical mental health challenges. You know, my wife's a therapist, you know, a psychotherapist. She sees the mental health challenges after the pandemic. So suddenly this global community of humans was confronted with something they had not seen in our generation. And so suddenly the urgency of a packaging artwork being delivered on time to the printer or the 100% accuracy of the month-end accounting numbers was not the same perspective as, you know, 2016 or something. Mm -hmm. So people wanted to help each other. The role of corporations was highlighted, not just, you know, so obviously corporations had the financial resources reach and so on. But it was not just pharmaceutical organizations, right? Can you make vaccines for us and, and give it at a discount to everybody? So they had to obviously dramatically change R&D and supply chains overnight. But even companies like Shell, we had to, nobody was driving, right? <laughs> but we had <laughs> That's to- That's right, yeah, good point. Right? <laughs> yeah. We had to keep the stations open and we had to keep the lights on and spend that money on energy and, and, and salaries because we needed to- serve the, the the vehicles belonging to the police, the ambulances, essential services. We also had chemical raw materials that could be used to make hand sanitizers. So we then yeah. donated that free. We had trained employees stepping up as volunteers, you know, in local communities, you know, people who are trained in health or safety or, or other things. So the authenticity of purpose or the new life of purpose was sort of, initiated at that time people could more easily see the real contributors versus you know the pr experts <laughs> it's fascinating because what you're also getting to whether it's shell or maybe you have other examples but certainly it looks like for shell that the organizational purpose if you've defined it you've enacted it you've embedded it when a pandemic comes it doesn't matter because you're basically making decisions based on what that organizational purpose is to become or continue perhaps to be a force for good. So how does 
the organizational purpose of Shell impact decision-making that are ultimately for the organization's future and its work with clients, customers, communities? I mean, it's, it's, it's our North Star. You know, strategies get refreshed and change every two, three years, but the purpose is normally 20 plus years, right? So that's how we think about it. And, and if you think about the energy industry, energy powers the world. It realizes the potential of humanity's efforts. We're not in the caves anymore, right? Now, obviously, the most visible form of energy is electricity, you know, which helps children study in the evening. It helps keep households safe at night. It allows fans, air conditioners to keep families cool or heaters to keep children warm in the winters. But electricity is only 20% of the energy mix, right? Mm -hmm. And look at the other parts of energy. You have to pave roads, right, in the villages to get that farmer to sell his watermelon at a better price in the city, right? And that road is not paved with electricity or renewables, but with bitumen today, right? Yeah. Bitumen comes from fossil fuels, unfortunately. You know, it facilitates trade, transport. You know, you have to fuel and lubricate cars, trucks, planes, ships, <laughs> factories, and, and petrochemicals have actually made cars, you know, the, the plastic doors and the plastic uh, windshields versus glass or metal in the past have made cars lighter by over 50 to 70% versus decades ago. And that has dramatically improved the fuel efficiency. Synthetic rubber tires made from petrochemicals today uh, have a much higher fuel efficiency versus natural rubber without taking away you know, the trees as well, and, you know, uh, diverting food crops towards natural rubber. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, there's all of these sort of implications. And we can now, because we have uh, energy, we can transport food and not let it spoil across distances, right? We have better storage solutions. We have pharmaceutical products that need to be kept cool while transporting. Now, today, we have a billion to a billion and a half people without enough or zero access to energy today, Dan. And we are adding two more billion people on the planet in the next few decades, right? So somebody's got to give them energy. You can't say you can't keep your baby warm or cool. You can't say you can't travel. You can't have a road and, and you can't have this and that and you can't charge your iPhone <laughs> right. because that's in, in this part of the world, you don't have um, renewable energy. So that's the thing. The world needs more energy to help power progress for humanity, but we need cleaner energy because of climate change. So, so that's the piece that we have to keep trying to tackle. So our purpose statement, when we spoke to 300 employees and we interviewed them in very emotional ways and we said <clears throat> worldwide, when you joined this company, why did you join us? What were your hopes and aspirations? And the other one was, when you're sitting in front of the fireplace and telling a story to your grandkids one day of the kind of company you left behind, what do you want to leave behind? And our employees told us that <clears throat> if it's not us, then who, right? If it's 125 years of history in the sector, pioneering LNG, pioneering so many things on the planet in the energy sector, if it's not us who are going to find solutions for more but cleaner energy, who, right? So we sort of said that our purpose is that we will power progress together by providing more and cleaner energy solutions. We'll do it with our customers by you know, helping them move their ships to gas or hydrogen. We will work with our 
governments are helping them uh, with regulatory changes like carbon pricing and things that could help drive the energy transition, you know, incentives to invest in those kind of areas. Um, because it's going to take trillions. And in what, I, what I'm happy about is that in recent months, you know, Shell has been recognized by Bloomberg NEF as the number one company among 41 others in the oil and gas business when it comes to leading on the energy transition. And we've launched so many things. We've launched low carbon products. Obviously, we've entered the renewable electricity market for businesses and homes. I talked about carbon reduction services. Mm. We even deliver fuel <laughs> to you. You know, we are disrupting our own fuel station as a destination model, right? So you can leave your car in your parking lot and somebody will come and fill up fuel for you through the app. Right? <laughs> you don't need to go to the gas station anymore. So, so that's what I'm really, really happy about. And, you know, in February, 2021, finally, when we revealed to the world that we had a purpose and what it has been, we were also able to refresh our business strategy. So suddenly we had generating shareholder value, but we also had net zero emissions. We also had powering lives. We also had respecting nature. So actually, the, one of the elements of the Shell's brand personality and what I, from a brand point of view, what I say is we are optimistic. We are not this person who's extremely pessimistic and dark and Victorian about the energy transition. The future of energy is bright. Our role is critical. It's the human beings who can make a difference and we will make it happen, right? So we can't give up the challenge. Well, I, I love the adage that came from your team members at Shell Group as well. If not us, then who? Uh, that's just wonderful. One, one final question for you, Raul. If you have any advice or kind of a couple leadership tips, if you will, for those leaders who are listening in or watching or part of an organization, they haven't really got on the purpose train yet. How do you, what do you suggest? What's the conviction that you have to share to help them see the North Star light, if you will? Well, a couple of things, you know, so obviously we had our hiccups as well. One is you have to reflect and think about why do you want to put your time into this? And can you put your energy into it? Does, do you personally believe that it's a problem that you're trying to fix? And you know you, the purpose of any organization need not all be around climate change. It could be around the other 16 UN SDGs. There are 17 of them, right? So in some cases, in some organizations like retail, it could be around job creation. In, in some places, it could be about inequality or in some places, people are passionate about equity. So I would say, find what motivates you as the number one thing because that authenticity will come across. Secondly, be ready for the internal inspiration piece, because we had to spend a lot of time creating content, videos through iMovies and slides <laughs> and amazing storytelling to inspire leaders who were left brain, worried about the quarter results, you know, all of that stuff. <laughs> so, but the minute we were able to, you know, take them back to their granddaughter or their son or, you know, their uh, personal legacy that they want to leave behind, then they got activated. But then the, then the third trick is don't let that energy die. So you got to then suck them into the methodical process and say, I just need one you know, brand Jedi from your organization. 
give me a guy, let me work with that person and activate it within your organization. Because I'm not, I'm just one man army here, but you have to activate it and let me help you guys. So it's that one, two, three, right? Personal conviction, inspiration, and then activation. It's just glorious advice. I really appreciate that, Rahul. Um, Everyone, it's been Raul Malhotra. He's the global head of brand strategy and stewardship for the entire Shell group. Raul, where can we find out more about you and or Shell's work here on the Purpose File? Well, shell.com or my LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, thank you for this. Uh, Your insights have been humble and quite deep. And I really appreciate you being so forthright with uh, everything that's going on within not just you and your work, but uh, inside the Shell Group. It's clear to me that uh, you know, you're know you making a difference for others to follow, uh, not just in the energy space, just on the purpose file itself. So thank you, Raul. Thank you very much, Dan. Nice to speak to you. All right, everyone. Another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontifarac. Today again, Raul Maholtra from Shell Group. Thanks, Raul. And we'll catch everyone on another episode soon. Take care.